1: Ronanian. And as somebody on Chrysler TechLine told me this week, he said, you know, you should notify the customer that they're probably going to replace every part on that car by the time it has 100,000 miles on it. I said, well, there's a there's an endorsement of a brand. Like, really? So
2: listen, dear, I want you meet me here while bringing in a brand new year?
1: The Car Doctor, you changed pushrod length, correct? Right,
2: adjusted that.
1: All right. That should be set so that there's just a net's eyelash of play between the pushrod and the booster. Welcome to the radio
0: home of Ron Ronananian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in.
1: The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At eight five five five
0: six zero ninety nine
1: hundred. And now here's Ronnie. Yeehaw! Here we are. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I just said to someone in the studio here, uh, the support staff. I was telling her. I said, you know, here we are. We beginning um, our last show of twenty twenty three. Who would have thunk? Um, you know, just broadcasting away all these years, and what a great time it's been. Uh, we're really enjoying ourselves. So I'm happy to be here for everybody, and uh, happy New Year to all. I hope everybody is safe and uh, content. Let's open the phone lines right away. Let's uh, we got a busy hour. Let's go over to Bill in Michigan, oh nine Chevy Impala, and some cold startup issues. Bill, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Thank you and Tom for uh, having me on. Run. Uh, this is a three five V six flex fuel with one hundred thirteen thousand miles. Okay. I'm looking for some diagnostic direction on this. Let me give you the uh, sequence yep. on a cold soak. Usually twelve hours overnight. The first start, you turn the key, let it prime, you try to start it, it will stumble, chug, and spit for about 10 to 15 seconds. Sometimes you can clear it out by stepping on the accelerator. About 10% of the time you have to use the clear flood mode to get it to start. Uh, The only code in it is a P0455, which um, is a large EVAP leak. I don't know why I don't have any misfire codes, run, but I have not checked mode 6. Put a fuel pressure gauge on it, 55 to 58 at startup. Uh, After three hours, it drops to 40, and after 12, it's at zero. Uh, I suspect a canister purge valve, so I did a vacuum test on that. That was not the problem. My other thought is a coolant temperature sensor that's sending the wrong message to the computer, or a leaky fuel injector. I'm not using any coolant. I have no fuel smell in the oil.
1: Okay. So let's let's do this, Bill. Um, you've got a decent scan tool, I'm sure, from the sounds of it.
3: Yeah, I do. I've got to launch a launch on Millennium 90.
1: All right. So, you know, on cold start, turn the key on. Does coolant and intake air match? Do the two sensors match, right? If it's been sitting eight hours, they should be within five degrees of each other. Okay. Simple enough. If it's if it's 55 degrees out, you should see 55 degrees between 55 and 60. Let's take coolant sensors, wiring, intake off the table. We know it's good, right? Where's Correct. where's what's throttle angle when it's you know on that cold startup? You'll probably see it cycle. You know if you start to watch that and just get in the habit of looking at that. If you know what it does when it's good and if it's the same when it's bad, we can take throttle angle off the table, right? Okay. So let's just eliminate Great. that. Just for giggles, um, oh, and one last thing before I go for the giggles, let's go look at um, engine manifold vacuum. Now, you've either got okay. you've either got a barrel sensor that's going to read inverted or you've got a true map sensor on an engine today. So you're either going to see barometric pressure, whatever it is in your part of the country, just go, and it's easy to do, just go Google search bar- barometric pressure where I am, and it'll tell you what it is that day. And okay. y- you should be close, or you're going to see, you know, you'll see 13 inches of engine vacuum, which means you've got 17 inches of true vacuum because it's an inverted number for a reason that'll take us longer than two hours to explain. We'll get out all the charts and arrows. So um, just just know that that's how it works. All right, uh, you know, if we do got this, us. I don't know what have we got in the car about six minutes, maybe. Right. And yeah, it should be
3: fairly straightforward. Yeah.
1: And and then we and we kind of know how much we've got a whole bunch of information. We kind of know where we are. If you've got a scope by chance, uh, you know, just for the heck of it. uh, There's a really neat relative compression test you can do using AC coupling as a signal without even hooking in for a number one, a number one uh, primary for a uh, a trigger. Um, You know, that's a whole nother conversation, but that's possible, too. But I don't think that's going to be your issue. Okay, when the engine okay. is warm, I want you to go Google search volumetric efficiency test. Go out to the Automotive Training Group website, and they talk about volumetric efficiency. If you can drive a car, you can do a volumetric efficiency test using a scan okay. tool. It's it's kind of idiot proof. Uh, you know, I would tell you to try it on a couple of good vehicles, just so okay. you know you get in the habit. If you know what known good looks like, you you understand the concept. And, you know, we're just testing things. Is anything askew? Does does it pass volumetric efficiency? Does it pass calculated load? I want you to stop looking at it only does it cold for the moment. All right? Okay. I I want to know what it's like when it's warm. All right? And, you know, I don't think you'll have a half hour in this car at this point. All right? When you go through all these things and all the obvious stuff, and I, Bill, I, I know you. We've talked for years. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've done your due diligence. You've looked at wiring harness. You've looked at, you know, you've looked. You're 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 a looker. You're looking for the obvious and the not so obvious. I want you Correct. to take the. I want you, and when it gets consistently when the engine is cold, all right. I want okay. you to take the ECM out of the car and put it in the really? free and put it in the freezer.
3: Really,
1: just don't okay. just don't tell Mama. All right. Well, you may, maybe <laughs> you better. She might cook it for dinner the next day right Amen. And, and and let it sit there in go. there let it sit in there for a couple of three hours all right okay you know and go put the ecm back in the car if it okay. if it if it has the problem guess what you got a bad computer I hear you. right because okay. it's only on been, cold start yeah, my last
3: thought so that, that's a good one
1: yeah was it was it was it there this summer or only when the weather changed
3: no, it's been there for about a year. Uh, I did, uh, brought it up to, know, she just bought this car maybe a, a, two years ago, so I brought it up to uh, plugs and wires and all, uh, filters and all that stuff, and it's it's been consistent. Now, she took it somewhere, Ron, and they put a throttle body on it about eight months ago. Okay. Um, that didn't seem to make any difference w- in regard to this problem. The reason they did that, she had the uh, accelerator pedal problem uh, that this, the,
1: the these 20 cars the, are noted for the twenty one thirty five and all accelerator yeah, Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and if the if the chill DCM concept doesn't get you anywhere, get a wiring diagram and look at the pinout on wiring for the throttle body. All right. Okay. And go look at the they call it five volt reference number two at the throttle body. It's gonna be a gray wire. Make okay. sure that wire is a solid five volts all the time. All right. All right. And, you know, does it differentiate? And you're going to have to use a meter and min-max or a lab scope, All right, one or the other. Okay. All right, and, and see okay. what that gets you. You know, is, this is a mass airflow car, correct? Yes, it is. So, you know, and and I always do this towards the end of my diagnostic hour. If I get to the point where I don't find anything, I try to create the problem, or I just try to be mechanical about it, so to speak. Uh, you know and I'm leery to do this on a mass air car but I will disconnect the duct does the car run a lot of them will run in some kind of backup mode does okay. the car have the problem in backup mode and if it does if I stick my finger in there and open up the throttle body a little bit or even if I just leave the duct in place and I pull an air hose off I pull a vacuum line off is it looking for more air you know what's it looking for it's 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 it's, it's burping and missing because there's an imbalance in the fuel mixture. If I if I open up a vacuum line, a PCV, something, you know, if if I manually change fuel trim, does it straighten the car out? If it straightens the car out, that also tells me number one, it's not compression. All right. It's not a mechanical problem. It's it's something extraneous because you know, you could have bad fuel trim all day long. If you've got a dead hole, you got a dead hole. Agree. Right. So, after
3: it's warm, Ron, I, I don't have any problems. It's just the first start after yeah. the
1: uh, cold. So well, it, you know, it, and, and it the one thing I always think about on cold startups and mechanical problems, I'll never forget the Jeep with the with the valve seat that kept falling out of the head when it was cold, and then when it warmed up, then when it warmed up, you know, the the, the seat would stay stuck in the head because it expanded and warmed up, and it, it's it's and it didn't do it every time. Um, you know, so yeah, it just that's why all the, thats why half the hair is gray now. But um, you know, it, ta- it it taught me the meaning of Jeep junk, each and every part. But you know, that's a story for another day. All right, Bill.
3: Amen. Oh. Yeah, it says it all. Ron, I really appreciate the time, and this is uh, priceless information. Thank you. I will follow this and uh, let you know how let, it works. Let us
1: know how it works out. You're very welcome. Be well. Happy New Year, and be safe. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Don't go away.
3: For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron.
1: Hey, let's go to California and visit AJ. AJ, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help?
2: Hey, thanks a lot for taking me, man. I appreciate it. and It was nice to talk with Tom this morning. I don't know if he told you about my connection to you and your dad um, uh, and Steve uh, yeah. and Army Air Corps stuff, but I'd love to talk to you about that, but absolutely. maybe not now. But yeah, not now, all fair. But, uh,
1: yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. I understand 100%. What's, uh, what's going on with this T Bird?
2: The T Bird, it's a wonderful vehicle. I love it. But it's, it didn't pass, it still can't pass smog, even though I spent like 700 bucks on it to right. do all kinds of stuff I'll tell you about. Um, but it's still, check engine lights still coming on. Plus, uh, the radio is not working properly. It's intermittent. I noticed there's the, uh, the uh, defroster and other stuff like that is also intermittent now. It's just randomly when it comes on or off, and I don't know that that's affecting ignition or performance. But I did a lot of work on it, and I'm you know I'm a World War II vintage uh, kid that grew up with a father like yours and uh, was a total you know mechanic air, sure. aircraft. Is this is this a is this a, su- is this a super coupe AJ or is this what
1: what what, what engines in this T bird? Is this a super coupe or is this a regular six, regular bird?
2: It's a six. It's a six uh, V8. Right. Six cylinder. Right. Automatic tranny.
1: And you're saying the check engine light comes on. What fault code's in there?
2: I did find several of them that I tried to address, and we did deal with them, but I don't. I haven't been able to get the mechanic. I have the bill right here. Diagnosis replaced driver side O2 sensors and MAF sensor uh, and the numbers of those if you want them. And the motor mounts need to be replaced. It needs timing cover and water pump at least the gaskets. Right. Still what? no guarantee to pass smog. Give me the, give me the, give me the
1: a, AJ, give me the numbers for the fault codes. What is it setting? p 174171
2: I I have, would have to find them in my book. I had to have Hanes for a while and I loaned them to the mechanic.
1: But okay. I got
2: some of them. Distributor ignition system, cylinder identification, circuit fault, which was a 214. I'm at that, I'm at those places now. And there's a couple like, Mass nice airflow sensor below minimum voltage,
1: and a few things like that. Okay. But, um, so, so here, let's 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 do this. You got a pencil and paper? I do. All right. Let's let's start at the beginning. All right. This car's been doing this for a while, correct? Correct. So let's let's just start at the beginning. Um, like I said to the previous caller, it's all about the basics. It's all about the information you can get in the first six minutes. I think. If you you know stop stop looking at what's broken. Let's talk about let's just looking at the overall car. All right. You ever notice you know you go to you go to a doctor and what do they do? They always give you that you know, they always give you that stick in the mouth and they always give you the heart rate and blood pressure test. Right. You ever wonder why they do that? They're baselining you. All right. So let's let's baseline the car. Do you own a scan tool? Or are you counting on the mechanic? Counting on the mechanic. All right. So you know I would want to look at. I just want to look at it. I want to know coolant and intake air temp. If the car sits for eight hours, are they the same? All right. I want to look at barometric pressure. I want to look at, you know, engine manifold vacuum. I want to stop focusing on the codes. I'm aware of the codes, but I just want to baseline the car. I want to see if I can find something and pick something out of the pile that stands out. the, The 214 fault code is related to, this. this has to be a supercharged Thunderbird, correct? I'm not sure. Uh, two I four- don't think so. All right, this is a, this is a 3.8 V6. Yeah, I think so. All right, two fourteen should be a camshaft position sensor fault. All right, I'm not saying oh, it's really. a, I'm not saying it's a bad cam sensor. I'm saying it's a camshaft position sensor fault, meaning it's in the circuit. And if if that's the case, then the next thing we want to do is take a look at cam and crankshaft position by scope. We want to look and see. Are we are we seeing correct data? All right. Um, I'm a little confused on a two fourteen and changing O2 sensors. So it's like we're trying to hit a moving target here. It it almost sounds right. like this had fuel trim faults. All right, and you know things are stockpiling. It's it's there's a logical sequence to cars. All right. Let's take the conversation here. We've got a Jeep in the shop right now, a 2014 Jeep, not to hijack the conversation, but we've got a 2014 Jeep that the check engine light's been on for about a year, maybe a little longer. Um, it, had, it had a thermostat fault code, a thermostat circuit rationality fault. It was a thermostat. It had um, a fault for oil pressure sender switches. It had a pile of codes, and we're working our way through them. After we were all done fixing what we fixed, cleared codes, went through the you know the normal routine, it now sets a P2099, which is an imbalance of the air fuel mixture. So we went from thermostat and oil pressure switch faults to a fuel system imbalance. No real connection, right? The reason they yeah. ca- the reason they came up is you ever you ever you ever. You know, if you played sports in high school, or you've ever been hurt where you you hurt your knee and your elbow, and your they always fix they always fix things in order of priority, right? Cars. All of the above. Right? Cars do the same thing. So you know, this is a cup of coffee conversation with the mechanic. You trust the mechanic? You've been going to him for a while?
2: Yeah, and my friends who recommended me have four vehicles that they systematically use. They fish commercially, right? All their vehicles that are heavy duty. By the ocean, you know, the worst environment you can be in except on the water itself.
1: Right, right.
2: Uh, and they love the guy, and I do too. Okay. They're, all, they're all school. So, okay? you know, you've
1: got to ask them, what's it going to take to fix this thing? We started here. We're going through the progression. Obviously, you like the car. There's a connection to the car that you're hanging on to It. it's 30 years old. And, you know, where does he think we're going to end up? The timing cover, I understand. Uh, it was common, those timing covers leaked oil all the time. They leaked coolant, they leaked oil. And, you know, to look at that 214 as the next step and to do some scope work and look at the cam sensor, uh, you know, now's the moment because when he goes goes and does timing cover work, he's going to have that cam sensor exposed at that point. All right? So, you know, that's the best answers I've got because I don't know what the other faults were. And, you know, that's got me a little... You know, I'm in the dark a little bit. I'd have to know what those were in order to come to a better diagnostic conclusion. So I I think at this point, the best advice I can give you and what I want to tell you, A.J., is you got to sit down with them. All right, hey, listen, we started here. Now we're here. You're making progress. Did the original faults go away? It sounds like they did. If the original faults are gone, the guy's making progress. You got to ask him, you know, no guarantees, but if you were to fire up your crystal ball, where do you think we're headed and get some idea on that and see how he responds to that. I like the fact that you've stayed with the guy for a while and that you trust him. So do those things, call me back, and we'll catch up one day off air, and uh, we'll continue this conversation. AJ, good luck to you. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. We're back right after this. Don't go away. Car doctor rolling along this hour. Let's go over to Cliff in Maine. A 01 Lincoln Town car and a uh what is that? 05 Chrysler Town and Country Cliff. Multiple problems here. Cliff. Cliff going once. There he is. Oh, Cliff is gone. We lost Cliff. Okay. Well, while we're working on getting Cliff back, I want to read this. I got a real nice letter from Brian. Brian, if you recall, is a gentleman who owns the machine shop. Um, I believe it's in uh, Delaware or Maryland Ron I've been listening to the show over the past several weeks about your comments regarding lack of trades in high school as well as engineering shortcomings I was fortunate enough to get a good education and then ended with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Lehigh University that said I think guidance counselors of today maybe a lot of my generation tend to be a little too biased towards higher education in parentheses you write "And I you know and you know Brian I agree he says I was fortunate my father worked his way from mechanic to branch manager at a Caterpillar forklift dealer he also started his own business selling and servicing air compressors and related equipment. That said, from time to time, I was about nine years old. I was spending my summer vacations cleaning parts, machining forklift engine parts in the engine shop at the dealer, as well as threading pipe and pulling wire for compressor installations. I miss some of the kids' stuff, but I don't miss it now. You know, it's true, right? I think what we do as kids, to some degree, you know, you look at the people that grow into success at an early age and the, um, the ones that become the old-timers, so to speak. Uh, you know, I think those are the ones that, you know, they, they, they're, they're in for the long haul. They tend to go for the duration. Um, so it's, uh, I get it. You know what? I missed out on a lot of kids' stuff too, but I think I did okay. I went to a small high school that had no wood shop, metal shop, or auto shop. Isn't that, it's mind boggling to me how they don't have shop class anymore. Our school did offer a program that let Votech students leave early and attend Votech studies at another school. I'll go one better. We had Votech when I went to school. And nobody ever thought to send me there yet I was done with most of my academics at the by the middle of my junior year I could have graduated if I didn't if I had high school if I had senior English I think senior English and gym I needed to go sweat for an hour a day um, <laughs> in order to get a degree or a diploma. For my part, I wanted to enroll in Votech my father who only had a high school education put the kibosh on that He said the reason he said was going to Votech was because in his words I've interviewed a lot of Votech students and hired a few and you already know more than. Most of them, you've got good grades. Go get a mechanical engineering degree, and you'll at least have something to fall back on. Yeah, you know what? Go get overqualified for a job. Don't be afraid. And he said to me, just don't be one of those dumb engineers. Someone asked me, how do you know so much? Well, that was a compliment. My honest answer was I've made a lot of mistakes. I agree with that. You know what? I've made a lot of mistakes. That's how I remember. I remember my mistakes, and I learn from it, and I move on. So there's times I was a dumb engineer. Brian, I'm right there with you, brother. I was a dumb engineer at times, too, I guess. I know a bit going down the rabbit hole and not realizing it until I stood back, looked at what you built and said, what the heck was I thinking? I don't want to do that again. Uh, You know what? How many times we get into that where we're going down the rabbit hole and you're like, how did I get down the rabbit hole? Um, how did I get here? But I think that's I think that's part of the education. I think that's part of the process. And I think that's part of, because I know where this question and comment is going in terms of, you know, where do we get mechanics? Where do we get people interested in the trades again? It, you know, we, we, we've got to nurture that. We don't nurture it. We, we expect, and I really wonder where, where the, and I think the crush point is here now, but I wonder when the public learns that. That if you walked into the average dealership, the next time you go buy a new car, do this. The next time you go buy a new car, everybody they're going to give you the tour of the service department, right? Start looking at the age of number 1, the service writers. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being a service writer, but you know, most of the service writers now are older or the senior ones are anyway, I think. But it, 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 inside the shop itself, look at the techs. You know, there's there's more and more gray hairs as I call them, and I'm one of them, so I'm allowed to say that. And it's 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 senior techs. There are there are some very promising, very up and coming younger technicians. You know, the the question becomes, you know, they've got to learn. I, th- I think there's a five to seven year learning curve to really understand mechanics, to really understand what it takes to solve the problem. Uh, you know, I think it's easier, perhaps, and I don't want to get flat for this, but I think it's a little easier in a dealership. You're working on one product line, and you can understand the intricacies of that. And it, it, there's a learning curve there, but. You know, it's a lot less than the independent repair shop mechanic who has to know multiple car lines, multiple systems, uh, to the degree of difficulty that you've really got to be doing it a while. That's where that five- to seven-year rule comes in. Brian continues, how did we get from 2,000 Taurus Sable headlight assemblies that can be swapped out in less than 15 minutes, including 10 minutes for re-aiming, to 08 Malibus, and Impalas, and Nissans that require half the front end to be removed? No one can enge- No one engineer can accomplish that. That takes a committee. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's ridiculous my O4 Suburban I had to put headlight bulbs in it the other day there's a simple pin you, you you turn it 90 degrees you lift it straight up the headlights out in about I don't know three minutes you're done it's it's literally that simple most likely that committee Brian continues is headed by someone who's a looking looking at how to assemble the car in the quickest way with the least labor I don't know how to fix that and I don't see it getting any better like you said wait I got to turn the page uh, this is a two-pager Brian Brian was in the mood to write when he sent me this email Right? Like I said, the cost of repair is generally last on their list, and don't get me started on the J.D. Power Consumer Reports, etc., about ownership. So what's the point of this email? I was fortunate to have been bludgeoned with elements of various trades prior to college. I agree with you that more needs to be done with regards to teaching trades and helping people find trades that fit them. I agree 110%. You know, I really wonder what's going to happen when they, cars become less mechanical as they have been and they become continue to march towards electronics. And the days and age of part swapping is really going to be on the endangered species list. And yet, manufacturers continue to go this way, and I don't see a lot of boost in certain areas of the country. I think certain places, you know, you go to certain parts of the country, there's actually machine shops. There's places you can take an engine and get it rebuilt. There's people that are, you know, they still drive manual transmission. It's it's like time has passed them by in a sense that technology hasn't overwhelmed them. But there are certain pockets. I think the I think the Northeast and I think parts of California are overwhelmed by technology to the point that it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. How do you find those people? Brian concludes at the moment my time and resources are limited, but I expect that to change. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you move things along. Merry Christmas, Brian Sheeran. Great letter, Brian. Um, you know. I think that, number one, we need to talk about it more here on the show. So if you've got thoughts, if you've got concerns, if you agree, disagree with Brian, whatever, bring it up. Let's, you know, give us a call at 855-560-9900. You know, more importantly, I think we need to bring attention to our elected officials. I think they themselves. I often think of back at the beginning of the pandemic here in New Jersey. They required all businesses to close and then to the protests of everybody. And then one day, I believe, it was a senator or an assemblyman. Somebody was driving home from Trenton that night, got a flat tire, and found out there was nobody there to help him. And he called for road service, and it didn't exist. And they said, why? And they said, because you shut all the businesses down. And lo and behold, within a week, auto repair shops were allowed to be open all during the pandemic because they realized the vitality of it and the importance of it and how important it actually is. There's a huge problem with the trades in that fact that we don't have it because we think that in order for somebody to be smart, they have to go to college and they have to spend anywhere from fifty to $300,000 on an education to get a degree that they may or may not use. You know, I will tell you this on a personal note. I have really enjoyed repairing cars for my time in the business. I come home at the end of the day, most days. Yeah, there's aggravating days. There's aggravating days in anything. But um, you know what? There's a lot to be said for working with your hands and building and fixing and restoring something that you just don't get from sitting in a chair that um, perhaps you don't need to go to college for, but you need to go to a trade school. Um, let me know your thoughts, everybody. Eight five five I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the the car doctor at 855 560 9900. Let's go out to Dick in Iowa. Dick, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Yes, good morning. Good morning. I'm a retired low mileage driver. Okay. My newest car is an 86. Ford Crown Victoria Ltd.
1: You've been retired a while. The other
3: cars, yeah, '77 Mercury Cougar that I ordered new from the factory.
1: You've been retired a long time. Go ahead.
3: And I wondered on antifreeze changing. How often you need to change antifreeze? And now I see all these different varieties, and now even a a peak ten year, three hundred thousand mile long life one. And is there something in antifreeze that breaks down or what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, you'll see that certain antifreezes have a shorter life cycle than others. You know, there's two concerns with regards to antifreeze, Dick. One is obviously freeze point protection. Will it provide correct, you know, freeze point? You can get down to, you know, 35 below or whatever the magic number is for your part of the country. But, you know, we we, we tend to shoot for between 30 and 35 below zero. The other concern that's not really talked a lot about with regards to coolant is the acidity factor. It, when, when coolant goes bad, it's it's like you ever have apple cider that turned. It you know it becomes hard cider. It it, it, it changes. It, it chemically changes its base. Well, antifreeze does is the same thing. Years ago, we don't do it as much now because everything seems to be regulated on a time basis. We'll still pull these out when we have a problem vehicle we're trying to diagnose. But we used to do something called dip stripping, which was a the high school litmus paper test where we would check things to see if it was if it had high pH, you know if it was acidic or if it was a base, uh, which way was it? And, you know, you can do that. These, these litmus paper tests, uh, uh, coolant dip strips are sometimes referred to as if you've got an auto zone near you, you can get them at a local auto zone and just simply dip, you know, and check the coolant and you'll see. Now, rule of thumb, conventional green coolant was in every two to three year type of replacement. And then I guess we became environmentally concerned because what do you do with all the old coolant? I get that. And we developed other types of coolant as engines changed and technology changed to meet that need. So, you know, now Peak comes along, and Peak has created, yeah, they've created a 10-year, 300,000-mile, I believe it is, as you say, type of coolant. What they've done is they've re-engineered the base coolants for certain vehicles. They've put additives in. They've put vitamins, if you will, into the coolant that are going to keep it going longer without breaking down. Believe it or not, yes. coolant doesn't on, coolant then, coolant doesn't go bad. Oil doesn't go bad. All right, here's here's one that'll blow your mind. It's it's not that the liquids go bad, they wear out. And what wears out in both cases are the additives or the vitamins that are put in there by the engineers to give them the ability to do the job they're supposed to do. In the case of coolant, Peak has found a way above everybody else in my opinion, to create better coolant through chemicals, if I can say it like that, all right? Uh, you know, and that's, and that's how they're doing it. So, you know, in the case of your older cars, if you're going through more cooling system components, if you're the guy that's changing a water pump every three years and you're blaming the water pump, it might be that the system is acidic. And this then gets into the conversation of, just doing a drain and fill on the radiator isn't enough okay it's you've got you've got to hook up a machine you've got to use a coolant machine um, something like those that are available from a company like Mala where they're going to hook to the upper radiator hose and they're going to do a complete exchange and service the entire cooling system. The, you know the, the people that are just doing a radiator drain and fill, Are only getting out about a third of the coolant in the system. Not to mention, there's usually debris or crud, as we like to call it, down in the bottom, you know, rear rear ends of the cylinder, back toward the back of the cylinders, the rearward part of the engine, um, or down in the heater core. A coolant exchange will help remove all that, and it's a much more thorough method method to do that. So, you know, that's what I would suggest. yeah, if you're if you're planning on hanging on to the cars, that's what I would recommend you do. That you, uh, um, you know, follow that, do a coolant exchange, and proper coolant. And by all means, if you want to use the peak coolant, the longer term, as long as it matches for your vehicle, and it should, then you'll be fine. Just uh, continue to do that and enjoy retirement. I appreciate the call. I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Doctor, um, 855 is the phone number. You can call and leave a message. We are on the air Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. We're East Coast guys, and um, we'll be glad to put you in the queue for the next live broadcast. But 855 should give you the ability to leave a message so that we can uh, catch up with you during the course of the week if your schedule is different than ours. And uh, you never know. Listen, if you uh, do send me an email, ron at com. I'll do that again, ron. At Cardoctorshow.com. If you do send me an email, by all means, include your phone number. You never know when I'm going to pick up the phone and call you because I'm always trying to put together a a fresh taped show. Uh, There are times that the the car doctor does take a weekend off for other things going on. And um, I want to give you guys fresh shows all the time, good fresh information. I I don't like running repeats. I don't think we've done one in a very long time. So I've got no plans to do that. Uh, going forward either so um just keep in mind if you do send me a request for help and I try to answer all of them you know send me your phone number as well and uh, you never know you may get a phone call from me you know it was an interesting show uh, this hour uh, you know what what made it so interesting to me I heard a lot of questions about repairing older cars I heard a lot of questions about maintenance uh, you know things that you're concerned about and I always think my my first boss Billy in the gas station always told me when he was teaching me about maintenance He said, it's one thing to do maintenance properly, but proper maintenance done properly is better. And, uh, you know, Billy always took it to the nth degree. He was a real smart guy. And I always think about that. Proper maintenance done properly is the best way and the best routine. And if you are doing your due diligence and you are putting in your proper fluids and filters, good quality stuff, things done correctly. If you're thinking outside the box a little bit and looking at how the vehicle or the piece of equipment is being operated and taking care of it, you'll be amazed at how long you can actually drive that without having to replace it. And you look at the price of new vehicles, proper maintenance done properly still makes sense today. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor, reminding you once again, Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.